Amen. Is there uh, finding their seats and the children are heading downstairs? Why don't you open up your Bibles to the book of Acts? We're going to begin Acts chapter 3 today. Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. It says this. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man, lame from birth, was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the Beautiful Gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with him, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who had sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Thus sends our reading of God's authoritative word. May all who hear it be filled with wonder and amazement at the powerful name of Jesus Christ. How many of you have ever been in a position where you were helpless or maybe you felt helpless? Like you had no control? When I was 22 years old, I, I, I spent my summer that year down in Myrtle Beach as a part of this leadership training program with my church. And, and while I was down there, I was, I was working at this grocery store called Harris Teeter. Anybody ever hear of a Harris Teeter before? Yeah. But every day before I would go to work, before my friends would go to work, we would meet up at this gazebo in order to pray together. Well, one of these mornings, while we were praying, I suddenly lost the ability to move the left half of my body. Out of nowhere, I was suddenly partially paralyzed. And so in this slurred tongue, I looked at my friend Jomo, and I, and I said to him, I can't move the left half of my body. And that's kind of how I sounded when I said it, because I even left half of my tongue wouldn't work. Well, before I knew it, I was riding in an ambulance and heading to the hospital. And that was really the, the first time in my life that I had felt totally helpless. And if it wasn't for my friends being right by my side, I, I don't know what I would have done. Today we are going to look at a man who had spent his whole life in a helpless state. A man who was lame since birth. A man who had to rely on the mercy of others in order to survive. 
And yet, when a greater mercy entered this man's life, when, when one with a greater authority came to him, what this man discovered was that he was no longer helpless. Today, we're going to find out why that was the case. But before we jump in, let's, let's first do a little review of where we've been. If you recall, Acts began with the risen Jesus, right? And he was giving his commission to his disciples, a, a commission to be a witness of him throughout the whole wide world. And he had promised to them that they would be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Empowered to carry out that mission. And then Jesus then ascended into heaven where he now sits upon his throne ruling as God and king. And then on the day of Pentecost, that was the day when the Holy Spirit did come in power. God used these disciples to bring the saving message of Jesus Christ to thousands upon thousands of Jews from all around the world. And if you remember, roughly 3,000 repented that day. They put their trust in this Jesus of Nazareth. And they were baptized in his name. And then last week, we, we, we learned how this newly founded church functioned, right? As these new believers were devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. But that wasn't all we, that we saw last week, was it? As Luke mentioned that God was demonstrating his, his approval of these apostles. And in fact, Luke tells us that, that many wonders and signs were being done through these men. That the power of Jesus was making itself known as he worked through these apostles. And now here in Acts chapter 3, Luke has given us a prime example of one of these signs, one of these wonders. For, for we see Jesus working through the apostle Peter as healing comes to this crippled man. Luke wants to demonstrate to us that, that even though Jesus has ascended, even though he is sitting on his throne in heaven, he is still capable of bringing about his kingdom right here on earth. Look at, look at verse 1. Here we see Peter and John and what they're doing that day. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. As I mentioned before, one of, one of the things that this young church was devoted to were the prayers, right? And now we see both Peter and John making their way to the temple at the ninth hour. And why were they going there? In order to pray. But little did they know that when they, were, when they were leaving that day, that God had other plans in mind. Jesus was going to sidetrack them. And he was going to do so in order to continue his kingdom's advancement. Look at, look at our next two verses. Look at verses 2 and 3. And a man, lame from birth, was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the Beautiful Gate to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And so we, we see this crippled man, this man who could not walk, 
Luke tells us that he was lame from birth. In fact, this man's legs, they were, they were so weak that he had to be carried wherever he went. And every day, he was carried to this temple gate, this gate called Beautiful, in order to collect alms. Now, when we get to chapter 4, we'll, we'll discover that this man was over 40 years old. That meant for 40 plus years, his, his whole life, he needed to rely on others to take care of him. There was not a single day where he was able to take care of himself. No, he had to rely on the kindness of others in order to survive. And yet, in the eyes of many, he would have been seen as a burden upon society. And what's worse, there, there were many Jews out there who had this notion that, that because he was lame from birth, he must be a grave sinner. I mean, why else would God be punishing this man in this way? And so while there would be some who would take pity upon him, there would be many, many more who, who would have ridiculed him and made him an object of scorn. And yet, every day he would go, he would sit at that gate that was called beautiful, exposing himself to such ridicule because it was his only means of survival. He would have to beg for alms. I can only imagine the life that this man had. How difficult it must have been. The challenges that he faced that, that we don't even consider. And yet in God's eyes, he was loved. For God had provided his own means of looking after this man. You see, it was Yahweh who encouraged the giving of alms among his people. And he did so in order that those who are desperate, those who are needy would be taken care of. Because God cares for them. Look at Proverbs chapter 19, verse 17. It says this, Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him. For his deed. It was through this giving of alms that this man had been sustained all these years. God had taken care of him through the kindness of his servants. And yet, having to ask for alms all the days of his life, I'm sure this man became a proficient beggar, right? He had 40 years of practice. And this is why he had no qualms of asking Peter and John, two people who, who he did not know, asking them for alms. I mean, to him, they were probably just two of many whom he would ask that day. I'm sure he was just hoping that they would show him some pity, show him some kindness, that their heartstrings would be tugged just a little bit, and that they would be moved to give him some spare change. Let's see how Peter responded. Look at, look at verses 4 and 5. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. 
Now what is interesting about this exchange is that Peter had to command this man with these words. Look at us. Now why would Peter have to do this? How often in life had this man been overlooked? Every day he sat at the gate called Beautiful with while thousands passed him by, probably not even giving him a second glance. And how many times a day would he beg for alms only to be rejected again and again and again? And I'm sure that, that many of those who, who did put change into his cup probably did so quickly without saying a word. And so this man grew accustomed to, to not making eye contact. He simply kept his head down and waited for anything good that might come his way. And yet now here comes Peter and John. And both of these men fixed their gaze directly at him. And they wanted him to do the same. They wanted him to look up into their eyes. Let's think about this from the beggar's perspective. Take a moment to put yourself in his shoes. Close your eyes for a moment. Pretend you are him. Well, it's just another day like usual. The time of prayer is near, and pretty soon people will begin funneling into the temple. I guess, I guess I'll have my friends carry me to my usual spot. Hopefully today I will be able to get a little more money than yesterday. Here comes two men. Might as well begin my begging by asking them. Alms, alms, can you spare some money for the poor? Of course, they'll probably just ignore me, like most people do. Wait, what's this? They're, they're, they're heading right for me? Better not lift my head or make eye contact. I don't want to scare them away. I'm sure they can hear my voice. Alms, can you spare some change? What? Are they really asking me to look up? Perhaps today will be a good day. Perhaps these men will be generous givers. What did this man see when his expectant eyes looked up at these two men? He saw kindness in the face of both Peter and John. He saw the eyes of two men who actually cared. What a joy that must have been for him. Let's see how Peter responds to this man's gaze. Look at, look at verses 6 and 7. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. Now, I'm, I'm sure the countenance of this man initially fell when Peter first spoke, right? I have no silver and gold. I mean, that's not at all what he was expecting. That's not what he wanted to hear. Yet what he did not know was what Peter did have for this man. 
was of far greater value. In fact, Peter had a treasure that was of immeasurable worth. For Peter had Jesus Christ. What did Peter say? In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. It was in the name of Jesus that he commanded this man to get up, to start walking about. I hope you notice that there was a certain authority in Peter's voice, as if Peter knew that, that it was God's will for this man to be healed. But why this confidence? Why was Peter so bold? What does it mean to speak in the name of Jesus? I mean, this is something that we as Christians do all the time, do we not? Think about when you pray. How do you typically end your prayers? In Jesus' name, amen. Right? But why do we do this? Perhaps you don't know why you do it. <laughs> right? Perhaps this is just something you learned as a kid, and, and you wouldn't know how to end a prayer any other way, right? It's just something that you do. It's like putting a bow on a present, right? It makes your prayer official, right? <laughs> and yet there is good reason that we have trained ourselves to pray in such a manner. And in John's gospel, we get some of the most explicit teaching on why we should pray this way. Look, look at John chapter 14, verses 12 through 17. It says this. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. In these verses, we see Jesus promising to his disciples that they would do greater works. And the reason they would do greater works was because he was going to his father. And when he would go to his father, he would send to them his Holy Spirit. Is this not exactly what we have seen in the book of Acts? Jesus has ascended into heaven where he now sits upon his throne at the right hand of the Father. And he has now extended his authority to those who have faith in him by sending this helper, by sending the Holy Spirit. 
Now, now these greater works that Jesus was referring to, that, that, that wasn't, he's not necessarily talking about more spectacular miracles. That's not what he means. I mean, one just has to read the Gospels, and you'll see that, that Jesus also healed the lame. He also healed the blind, and he healed the deaf, and he cast out demons. And yet, and yet these works of these apostles, they're, they're greater in the sense that the reach of Christ's kingdom is now greater. It has been multiplied. And that's because the Holy Spirit is working through his church. In other words, it is through the Holy Spirit that Jesus has given to his people authority in his name. And that is why we pray in Jesus' name, right? Because we know where he now sits. Because we know that he is the one who is Lord over all things. And because we know that in no other name can such authority be found. But did you notice what else Jesus said in this passage from the Gospel of John? If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And so our, our prayers aren't, aren't just effective because we pray them in the name of Jesus, but, but they, they are only effective when they are aligned with the will of Jesus Christ. And so when we pray in the name of Jesus, what we are communicating is this. First, we, we, we acknowledge that Jesus is the one who has all authority. Only he can do the things of which we are asking. Second, we are asking that our prayers become aligned with the will of Christ. We only want this to be done if it matches with God's purposes. And so that, that is what we are communicating when we say, in Jesus' name. And this is what we see when Peter commanded this man to rise up and walk in the name of Jesus Christ. For Peter knew that, that Jesus is the only one who has the authority to do such a thing. And Peter also knew that this was Christ's will to do this. And so it was by faith in Jesus Christ, in Jesus Christ alone, that this man was healed. Consider this event from Jesus' point of view. Jesus desires to glorify his Father. And he does so by bringing healing to his people. And so he chose this man who, who was lame from birth to demonstrate his immense love and his endless compassion. But not only would it be a demonstration of his love and his compassion, but it would also prove his mighty power. For Jesus, I mean, think about this. Jesus is able to heal this man even though he is sitting upon his throne in heaven far, far away. Yes, it was Peter who spoke the words, but, but the words that Peter spoke were in Jesus' name. And because Peter had such great confidence that this was Jesus' will, he then grabbed that man's hand, lifted him up, and his ankles and his feet were immediately made strong. Now think about that. 
Think about that word immediately. I mean, this man was over 40 years old. He, he had never worked those muscles in his life. There was no strength in his feet. There was no strength in his ankles. And yet now, suddenly, they were as solid as a rock. There was no delay. There was no therapy that he had to go through. He just simply stood up and walked. And that's because when Jesus chooses to heal, he heals completely. That, my friends, is the power of Christ. He, he is king over everything. Over, over all things natural and over all things supernatural. And there is no brokenness which he cannot fix. There is no hurt which he cannot heal. Dear friends, do you realize that, that, that Christ is reigning even now? Do you, do you understand that he has the power to break forth his kingdom whenever and wherever he wills? That there is power in the name of Jesus Christ. And that the complete healing of a man who had been lame from birth is only a fraction of what our king can do. Listen, when, when, when Jesus ascended into heaven, he didn't take his kingdom with him. No. Rather, he is now expanding his kingdom throughout the earth. And he does so through his people as they speak his authoritative name. And he can expand his kingdom even through you. For if you are in the will of Christ, and if you believe in his strength, then whatever you ask in his name, he will do for you. Do you believe this? The kingdom of God had come to this lame beggar. The power of Jesus' name burst open the door, the door that was holding this man back. This one who had never walked before now stood in strength. No, no longer was he helpless, for he had been made whole. And this was all due to the compassion of Christ. I can only imagine the joy that this man must have felt. The joy to have been completely healed. Let's look at this joy. Look at verse 8. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. This man not only walked, but, but, but he was now a frog, right? He was leaping and praising God. He, he was like a little kid enjoying the childhood that he never had. There was no restraint in his motions. And that's because his legs had been fully healed. They were filled with life. The joy that this man displayed is a joy that I would love to have. And this is a type of joy that the prophet Isaiah had in mind when he, he prophesied about the future kingdom that God would bring to his people. Look at Isaiah 35, verse 6. 
Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. This, this right here is the kind of joy that Jesus brings. It is a joy that is expressed when his kingdom reaches into the lives of those who are helpless, of those who are looking for mercy. And yet the joy that this man felt was not only because he could now walk, but because of what this walking meant. It meant that this man could now work. It meant that this man was no longer forced into living the life of a beggar. It meant that he would no longer be seen as a burden upon society. It meant that he would no longer be accused of being a sinner. It meant that this man could now finally be accepted into his community. I mean, think about where he was going. He was walking with Peter and John into the temple. Why would he be doing this? Because he could now join them. He could now join his fellow Jews during their time of prayer. No longer would he have to sit outside the gate. But now he could enter in on his own two feet and pray. And this... This is why we see so much joy from this man. But not only was this man joyful, but he was thankful as well. For Luke tells us that he was praising God. In his exuberance, he he was acknowledging that this was a, a work of the Lord Almighty. It was this Jesus Christ of Nazareth who had healed this man. And now he wanted to give honor to his God and to his king. Brothers, sisters, this should be our response. This is how we should react when the power of Jesus' name is put on display. Whenever we see his kingdom bursting forth, we should be filled with joy and singing praises to our Savior. We should be giving him thanks For there is great joy when the will of Jesus enters into the lives of his children. But it's not just this man who understood that this was the working of God's hand, was it? For there were those who were in the temple that day who had to admit that something miraculous had happened. Look at our last two verses. Look at verses 9 and 10. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. You see, God's purpose in healing this man was not just for this man's benefit, but it was for the benefit of everyone who was there that day. In God's providence, he had purposed this healing to take place at the time of prayer, when the temple would be full of people. And what's more, he had purposed this to be this particular man. 
a man who, who was over 40 years old and had been lame since birth. A man who had probably been begging at that temple gate most of his life. A man that, that everyone who was a regular temple goer recognized immediately. A man who was a hopeless cause. And yet now, because of the power of Jesus' name, had been healed. You see, what you got to remember is that up until the last week of Jesus' life, practically all of his miracles took place outside of Jerusalem. And so while the, while the people of Jerusalem had heard about this miracle worker, probably the majority of them had never officially witnessed his power. Until now. Because right in front of their eyes was this man. This man whom they knew to be a beggar. Whom they knew to be lame since birth. And now he was not only walking, but he was leaping for joy like a child. This man was a living testimony of who Jesus is. That he has risen from the dead. And that he now reigns from heaven above as Lord and Messiah. For that's what it means to be healed in the name of Jesus. It was by his authority that this man now walks. And that's because Jesus can do the things that only God can do. Even though he is now on his throne up in the heavens, he continues to perform his miracles through his apostles. So what does this mean for us? Does this mean that we should be able to do what Peter did? That, that if we speak in Jesus' name, that we can... Heal the lame? That's not what the text is saying. The, the, the tasks that God had given to Peter and to, to these other apostles are not the same tasks that God will give to you or he'll give to me. As an apostle, Peter had a unique calling on his life. For it was through him and, and through the other 11 that God was establishing his church. And so this, this healing was also a testimony to the authority that had been given to these men by Jesus himself. But just because we are not apostles, that, that doesn't mean that you or I don't have power in Jesus' name, because we do. And we are called to minister to the, to the people that are all around us. And we are to do so in the name of Jesus Christ. By his authority. And so whether you are praying or proclaiming the gospel, when you do it in the name of Jesus, you are connected to the power of Jesus by his Holy Spirit. And whatever it is that he has called you to do, God will use those works to advance his kingdom. There is power in Jesus' name. But this story is not just about how God will use you, is it? Because it is also about how the power of Jesus' name has affected you. How he came into your life. 
You see, if, if you are in Christ, then in many ways, you, you were once just like that lame beggar. You may not have been healed from some physical ailment, from some malady that you had since birth. But if you are in Christ, then, then you have been healed from something far, far worse. For the condition that you were born into is the condition of your sin. You were a sinner at birth and helpless to do anything about it. You, you were like a lame beggar who, who never looked up because you didn't think you were worthy of your Lord's attention. And then one day, Jesus came to you. And he said to you, look at me. And when you lifted your eyes, what did you see? You saw the face of mercy. You, you saw the kind eyes that were filled with compassion. You saw your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, commanding you to stand up in his name. And through the gospel message that was proclaimed in his name, you were then lifted to your feet and strengthened. You, you are now free from the, the debilitating effects of your sins. And, and this, my friends, is cause for great joy. It is cause for thankful hearts. But perhaps you are here today and you have yet to experience the power of Jesus' name. You are still that beggar outside the temple, removed from the fellowship of your God and your King. And because of your crippling sin, you cannot move. If this is you, then, then I urge you, let the power of King Jesus come into your life. Know that he died for your sins and that he brings healing to you through his resurrection. Take a deep look into his kind eyes. And let him lift you to your feet as he, as he heals you from your sins. And then walk by his side through that gate, which is the entrance into his kingdom. Trust in this Jesus. Trust in the power of his name. Let us pray. Father, we truly are just beggars at the gate. We, we don't have the strength to, to enter into your kingdom on our own two feet. We need you to come to us. We need your Holy Spirit to, to give us saving faith. And we need your Son, Jesus Christ, and the power of his mighty name to remove our sins. And as he shapes us into your people, we ask now that you would help us to continue to rely upon you. And help us to be in your will in whatever we do. For it is not, it's not us who, who expands your kingdom, but it is your son. May all that we do be done in the power of Jesus' name. May your strength flow through us as we do your kingdom work in order that you might receive the glory. We pray this in Jesus' name.